Well, welcome to Catalyst at Home. We trust that you had an amazing new year. Um, and as you know, with the cases of COVID rising in the Washington area, uh, in the metropolitan area, we decided that we would just go online. Um, in fact, some of our very, our, our church family has been impacted by COVID and thankfully everyone's recovering um, from the holidays, but we just decided out of an abundance of caution that we would go ahead and stream to you online in the safety of your homes. We will be back at at the Bethesda Hotel on January 9th uh, in-person services as well as online. Um, and we would encourage you to mark your calendars. It's a special day. We're going to be kicking off 21 days of prayer and fasting as a church family. And we are so expectant, church, about what God has for us in store in 2022 and beyond. Today, we're actually going to be kicking off uh, a, a new series called Play the Long Game. And this series is really all about going the distance. In fact, today's message I've entitled Intentional Pursuit, and it's really about fasting and prayer. And how do we set our hearts as we prepare for this journey that is ahead? I know that when we come expectant to hear from God, He is so faithful to speak to us. In fact, we know that actually 80% of all New Year's resolutions that are being made during this time, if it hasn't been done, it'll be done this week. We know that actually 80% fail by week two of February. How discouraging is that? Um, in fact, we know that many attribute this failure because we just have this really long, overwhelming laundry list of things we want to change from one year to the next. Some people just tossed the list out altogether and said, I don't even make New Year's resolutions anymore. Um, and then and we also know that it's no surprise that some on the top list are actually losing weight, eating healthier. Um, we know that <laughs> uh, exercising more, saving money, these are all kind of the top four in everyone's resolution list. What you don't hear a lot about is the resolution to intentionally pursue God, to grow in our relationship with God. And church, we hope and pray that this will be on your list this year as we move forward. In fact, if we put this first, just like we put a lot of principles of God first in our lives, we believe that, that everything else will trickle into place and God will help us fulfill some of those New Year's resolutions. And so we want to encourage you to put that first and to really play the long game. This is not the short game. This is putting God first for the rhythm and the posture for our lives, not only for into this next year, but for the rest of our lives. We're really building, what we're talking about is building rhythms into our lives. And so, uh, in fact, James 4, 8 actually assures us, and this is what we can hang our confidence on, church, is that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And this is why I'm so excited and expectant, because I know that if we'll posture our hearts right as we move into 2022, God is going to blow our minds individually and corporately. God's going to do far more than we could ever hope or imagine, even in the midst of hardships like the ones that we're still walking through with 2021 and COVID. But you know what? With all of that, if we'll put God first, he will give us vision beyond today and even the circumstances and situations that we're still navigating. In fact, uh, let's pray before we dive into our foundational text today found in Isaiah 58. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you are good and that you're with us, Father, that you're with us in our living rooms and hotels, traveling in airports, wherever you 
wherever we find ourselves today, I know that you're there. And Father, I pray that you would awaken our spirit today, God. Let us hear what you need us to hear today, God, from your word, and that we would be, um, we would be stirred within us, that we would be hungry for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So I want us to look at the passage of Isaiah 58 in which the people of God actually found themselves frustrated because they were going through the religious motions of prayer and fasting as kind of more of a ritual and, and expecting that God was going to move like he, like, like he should. And what they found is they were frustrated because they weren't seeing the results that they had hoped for. In fact, their, fast, their fasting was mainly focused on their own benefit. Um, and they, they were essentially, uh, they were doing these religious, um, you know, observances, but they were lacking the actual life transformation from the inside out. And in fact, in other words, they were, um, as they were fasting, what, what we weren't seeing is more fruit of the Spirit out of Galatians 5. They, they weren't seeing more love and more joy and more kindness and more uh, gentleness and patience and self-control with one another. Um, and, and this is where God steps in in Isaiah 58. In fact, he, he, um, he, he helps them understand why their spiritual efforts, if you, weren't, if you will, weren't working. And God tells them that they have ignored the true fasting that he had called them to. In fact, author Elmer Towns, he, he's an author that, that does speak on this, this idea of fasting. Um, he says, the purpose of all worship, including fasting, is to change the worshiper in ways that have social and interpersonal impact. In fact, we worship through fasting not only for God to change us from the inside out, but the world around us. Essentially, this fasting, yes, is for God to, it's a reflection on what's going on in the inside of us so that it would flow outward. In fact, um, we, we shouldn't interpret these verses as simply a call to more social gospel in action of outward service, but actually as heartfelt worship that transforms us from the inside out. And so naturally, the outflow, the taking care of those around us is actually an outflow of what God's doing within us. In fact, that is the right purpose for fasting. In fact, the Old Testament prophet actually instructed the people in Joel 2.12. He actually said it this way, and I, I love this. He says, turn to God with all your heart, right, with fasting. And rather than tearing your clothes, which was a common practice in that time, um, in, in mourning and tearing your clothes, rather than that, a true repentance of our heart and perhaps a tearing or a breaking of our hearts is actually what he was looking for. In other words, we should have a connection between this private devotion and our outward actions towards the world around us. We should be conduits of love, becoming more and more able for God's love to flow through us. In fact, there's nine components actually found in verses 6 through 12 that God says fasting should actually be about. And we're about to read that. So read with me Isaiah 58, 6 through 12. It'll be on the screen. Or you can pull out your phone or your Bible right wherever you're at. Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear." 
then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. How exciting is that? That's just comforting, church. The glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will, call, you will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression and the pointing of fingers, malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. Again, how satisfying to know that the Lord will guide us always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. I don't know about you, but I need some strengthening as we enter this new year. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called Catalyst Church, repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets and dwellings. Today, I want to give you actually three simple ways that you can practically engage in a more intentional pursuit of God, especially during, allow this 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're inviting you to participate in to really just be a catalyst for the rest of the year. Which leads us to point number one, say no to the flesh. Say no to the flesh. So practically, what is fasting and why is it so important in our lives as disciples of Christ? In fact, American pastor and author Jensen Franklin describes fasting as not merely going without food for a period of time, but rather refraining from food for a spiritual purpose. It's got to have a purpose. It can't just be losing weight, right? That, that's actually just called a diet. It is a purposeful dethroning of our fleshly appetites to pick up more awareness of God's presence in our everyday life. In fact, if you're interested in reading more of that, I'm going to encourage you and point you to the website. In fact, we've got some resources for you. Jensen Franklin has a, has a, has a real small book on fasting. I'd encourage you to pick it up. Uh, go to the website and you can find more resources. In fact, um, what, what we see here, what he's saying is that it's a simply, it's a self-denial. In fact, that's what the Hebrew and the Greek words in the Bible mean when you kind of strip them of, uh, of, of, of their context and you, you look at the, the core meaning in both the New and the Old Testament, it is self-denial. It's self-denial. It's denying our flesh. In fact, you know, I've grown up in the church um, all my life, thankfully. Um, I've had, um, you know, a lot of teaching, but I can honestly tell you that um, there wasn't, it, it wasn't always this way that I would approach fasting from what God is saying here in Isaiah 58. In fact, it kind of felt dutiful in a way. It was like, hey, everybody's corporate fasting in January. Let's do it. But there were many seasons of my life that I would enter that more as obligation, just as the people here, the people of God did. And in fact, it wasn't until I began to understand that there was so much more for me. It wasn't just pushing away from the table. There had to be an intentional and honest pursuit of God. Search me, know me, change any wicked way about me. There was an honest pursuit that um, it was a replacement of something, right? Instead of um, eating, I was going to take this moment to pursue God, whether even in my work life, it looked like, hey, I'm at lunch, I have a lunch hour, I'd take a walk around the building to get my mind off of food and to, to intentionally self-deny myself and press into talking to God. There's so many different ways. And and so over time, um, what, what I understood was what God is actually saying here in Isaiah 58. He's saying, let me tell you what real fasting is actually about. If you'll check the motive of your heart, 
It's real simple. I want you to loosen the bonds of wickedness in the world around you. You're going to begin to see things you've never seen. You're going to be able to, to hear things. Things are going to can maybe convict even your heart in a good way, the things that you'd not seen before. It's almost like a scales are falling off of our eyes when we become aware. The heavy burdens, we're going, to, we're going to get rid of those. I want to give you a lighter burden. I want to give you the truth. Maybe you've been carrying around some lies and some heavy weights that you were not intended to. In fact, maybe I've actually called you to intercede for those around you during this time. Let the oppressed, he says, let the oppressed and the heavy laden go. Let these, these burdens to lift. That's what a true fast is all about, that people would experience freedom from the weights and the bondages of life, from the entanglement of lies. I want to reveal my truth to you. That's essentially what God's saying. And so when I, when I begin to reframe what fasting looked like, it began to actually uh, ignite excitement in my heart. And I hope that we'll be doing that today, that today as you hear and the Lord illuminates those areas to your life, that you'll begin to, to get a holy excitement on the inside of you of what God has for us during this time. In fact, Arthur Wall says, to fast is not simply nor necessarily to abstain from food, but anything that hinders our communication with God. So while, while fasting is typically uh, food, it can be so many other things. What, what is distracting us from taking the margin that life allows and pursuing God wholeheartedly? In fact, we also know there's many types of fast, so I want to hit on some of those. Again, you can go to the website for more resources, but you know, most fasting actually refers to food fast. They could be absolute fast, which is kind of like a full fast for certain times, you know, whether it be a day, a meal, three days, you know, four days, seven days, whatever God is leading you to do. Um, it could be partial fast or rotational fast, meaning certain times of the day, sun up to sun down, a lot of people do. Daniel fast are also um, a time where you're refraining from certain types of food. In fact, we get that from uh, Daniel's life and Daniel's story when he was in the king's uh, palace and he pushed away from certain types of food for and refrained for a particular period of time that God had led him to do. In addition, you can fast from other distractions like social media. Maybe perhaps some of you are, are ingesting more news than God's word. Perhaps it's time. This is a time of like reflection and, and, a re, and adjusting. Maybe it's Netflix. <laughs> Maybe you got into some binging over the holiday. Um, social media. What is it that's distracting you? Maybe for some of you, it's knowing when work is enough putting down the work and picking up more of, of, of awareness and presence and quiet and silence and solitude so that God can speak to you. Uh, Richard Foster actually says that more than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that actually control us. That is a sobering thought, church. More than any other discipline, fasting reveals the things that control us. In fact, we see many biblical examples of fasting in both the Old and the New Testament to include Daniel fasting, of course, for 21 days. This set him apart in the king's courts. Joshua fasted for 40 days. Paul fasted for three days and 14 days in his various missionary journeys as he was going from to and fro. Jesus, who fasted 40 days and 40 nights before he entered public ministry. Essentially, when we eliminate food from our diet, be it a meal, a day, a week, our spirit man becomes uncluttered with the things of the world. We become more sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's almost like having uh, your, your senses begin to become heightened. You become more aware of everything around you. You know, it's, it's almost like having, uh, it's like King David calling. He says, deep calling unto deep. 
When we take this radical step of obedience in Psalms 42.7, essentially what we're saying, as King David did, is, God, I want you more than food. I want you more than the, the, the necessary things I need to live as a human being. I want you, right? That is what we're saying here in, as we make whatever step God's calling you to in this season where we're consecrating ourselves to really put the first we're giving God the first of our year, and we're saying, God, speak to us. Where do you, I'm going to lay my plans. I'm sure some of you have already done some planning for the new year. Hey, I'm laying all this before you, and you have full permission, God. I'm giving you margin to do what you want to do and make adjustments. We know that Jesus actually was tempted by Satan himself in the desert to break his fast and turn stones into bread, and he confronts him because he's got the strength of his spirit. Now, his body was weak, but his spirit was strong. That is how we've got to enter 2022, church. He's saying, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, Matthew 4, 4. Jesus uses those words to actually push back on the enemy's attempt to have him give something else, right? To, to give in when God was calling him. Hey, I need you to lead by your spirit, not your flesh. In fact, when we begin to fast and we pray, we begin to realize just how powerful our flesh is and how much really our flesh leads a lot. And so when we're fasting in this time of prayer and fasting, what it allows us to do is realize who is actually leading who. <laughs> is it my spirit? Is my spirit man strong or have I been feeding my flesh? In fact, Matthew 6, 16 and 18 gives us some practical handles on how to fast. He points back to the Lord's instructions in Isaiah 58 about firstly humbling ourselves. If we're going to say yes to fasting, we're going to have to just humble ourselves to say, God, your ways are higher than my ways. And I need your help because this is really hard. And it is. Fasting can be really difficult for all of us. Embrace true repentance during a time of fasting. In fact, that's what he says. He says, choose to humble ourselves. Right? And humility is not thinking, of our, not thinking of ourselves. Of course, we're kind of wired that way. But it's just saying, hey, I want you to think about yourself less. God instructs people to share their food with the hungry in this particular portion of the chapter, verses 16 and 18. He says, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them. Don't be surprised if God begins to open your heart and give you burdens that you might not have otherwise had during this time of consecration. In fact, he begins to open our eyes. In fact, as a church, corporately, we've decided to partner with one of our local partners to provide, uh, to do a coat drive. And, and many of us can afford to, to look into our closets and say, you know, do, do, can, I, can I afford to give one of my coats away for someone else in need? There's a self-denial piece of it, but it's also a, hey, we're gonna practically put some handles around what it means to care for those who are in need. And so we're gonna be doing a drive through the end of the month. And I would encourage you, even during this next week, I'll give you some practical action. Between you and God, go into your closet this week. God, what can I clean out here and give away? With in mind that someone is cold and without. And begin to see, allow the God, God again, as in Joel 2.12, to really begin to, hey, can you break my heart for the things that break your heart? Matthew 6, 6, uh, 16 and 18, he says, um, he actually says, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their, full re their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head, 
and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. It's between you and him. In fact, he's saying, hey, essentially putting oil on your head and washing your face was kind of like normal hygiene in this particular context in this time. And so what he's saying is put your, put your makeup on, <laughs> you know, shave your face, look normal. That's between me and you. Do the work between you and God on what he is calling you to do in, in, in this next season. You know, some things actually only come through prayer and fasting. In fact, Jesus' disciples were actually asking him. They had encountered a little boy who, who, who was oppressed, right? He was oppressed by a demonic spirit. We don't talk a lot about that, but it's true. He, he was oppressed and entangled. And so Jesus, the, 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 the disciples try to actually cast the spirit out and they can't do it. And so they're asking Jesus, hey, why did that happen? And he's saying, hey, some things can only be broken in the spirit with prayer and with fasting. And by the way, you need some more faith. <laughs> That's why we got to strengthen our spirit man. This is one of the ways, one of the practices, how we can do this. In fact, Jesus actually tells it in John 14, 12 and 13. He says, verily, verily, I tell unto you. Whoever believes in me will do the works that I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Church, God's calling us higher. May we do even greater things than Jesus did. Are you ready? Are you ready to experience this miracle, signs and wonders in our everyday life? we got to strengthen our spirit, man. we got to awaken to the world around us. There's both a spiritual world and a natural world, and he wants us to be in tune. He's training us, church, for the next level, personally and corporately, of where God has called us to go. Which leads us to point number two. Say yes to more of God. What does that look like? It's really through prayer. It's communication with God. Simply, prayer is not something to be scared of. It's something, and it's not something to be endured. It's actually communion with God. How exciting that the God of the universe wants to spend time with us. We can strip all our religiosity off of it, all of the preconceived notions that, that somehow we have to clean up before we come to God. Jesus paid for all that. He made a way between us and God so that we can commune every day. In fact, right now, in your living room, in your hotel room, wherever you may be watching this, he, is, he wants to commune with you. And his presence is very present. But are we aware of it? In fact, Richard Foster, the author of Spiritual Disciplines and Celebration of Discipline and Spiritual Disciplines, he's got an amazing books. He says, prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform and to change us. The closer we come to the heart of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed into the image of Christ. You know, we don't need to complicate it or make it hard. That is why, that's why God sent his only son, Jesus, to decomplicate things. Jesus taught us to come like children, to a father with openness, honesty, and trust. Simply, childlike faith is what he's asking for. In fact, Hebrews 4.16 tells us that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. We don't have to be afraid. Our father's beckoning us. He wants to. Can I tell you how exciting it is as a parent when your kids want to give you a hug? Not for some other reason. They just want to be with you. Or they, they begin to open, they begin to share their heart. How exciting is it? And the Father feels the same way about us. In fact, to ask and petition God for anything requires 
our passions to be transformed. This happens in prayer. It happens through relationship with God. We begin to think his thoughts. We begin to desire the things that he desires. We begin to love the things that he loves and to will the things that he wills. You know, when I married Jeremy, I wondered how in the world, God, are we going to, how are you going to, how is this oneness thing supposed to happen? Like, I need to know my part. What am I supposed to do? And what God was really beginning to teach me is like, hey, just fall in love. Fall in love with Jeremy. He falls in love with you. And what happens as a byproduct, and again, not sameness, but there becomes, you begin to kind of understand how each other thinks. And because of love, you, you learn to yield to one another. In fact, I could tell you what Jeremy thinks on a matter because I've spent time with him and I love him and I know him. It doesn't mean I always necessarily in my own heart think, oh yeah, I think the same way. No, but I yield out of love in the same way, vice versa. And so the same thing is with Christ. There may be some things that are just hard, right? If he's calling us to fast and pray, it's just hard. But you know what? I love you, God. And I'm going to submit my ways to your ways. I'm going to yield. And what happens is we begin to understand how the Father thinks. And we begin to, our, our mind, our, our, we renew our mind. We begin to think like he thinks. We begin to have the, the, the things that break God's heart begin to break our heart. There have been numerous things that maybe I didn't have a passion for. But as I've even walked with Jeremy and God and kind of yielding myself, there are things that I've been amazed that God's begun to stir passion in my heart. What was happening I've fallen in love, and God's begun to this oneness process, and that's what he's calling us, that we would, we would exemplify the image of Christ, right? His, his heart, we begin to feel his heartbeat for the thing in the world around us, which compels us from loving relationship with him. Here's a few ways that we can pray and we can say yes to more communication with God. And I'm just going to, I'm going to give us a few practical handles. First is, you know, you don't know where to start. Pray the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 5 through 15. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they have, will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask. Then this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us, our, our, uh, give, us, give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And let us not, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And so essentially we can come to the Father and say, God, give me what I need for the day. Help me to forgive those, forgive those who have wronged me. God, I release them to you. Father, who am I to be able to hold on to these things? I mean, starting just with the Lord's Prayer is so powerful. In fact, the other thing you can do is pray scripture. 
Father, your word says, and then you t- remind him of what his word says. In fact, you could pray, I come boldly to your throne. I need mercy and grace for my life. That comes from Hebrews 4.16. Lord, I need you. Please open my eyes to see the wonderful truths of your instruction based on Psalms 119. In fact, Psalms is full of prayers that are, that are heartfelt prayers by King David that we can actually pray to God. You know, we can, when, you're, when you're struggling even, with, with, you know, insecurity or um, th- just wondering, being unsure of what step to take in this new year. God, I thank you that you have fearfully and wonderfully made me. I thank you that you've equipped me for every good work in Jesus. Hebrews 13, 12, Psalms 139. I am more than a conqueror in Christ who gives me strength. When you feel weak, It's when in my weakness that you are made strong. You can pray God's word. It is so powerful, church, and it's available to us. Thirdly, another another way you can do is listening prayer. It's another way of praying and maybe one that we're not quite as familiar with. It's, It's simply listening to God about what to pray about so that we can partner, especially when we're not sure how to pray about something in particular. In fact, Soren Kierkegaard, He was a Danish philosopher and theologian. He was actually quoted by Richard Foster in his Celebration of Discipline book. He says, a man prayed, and at first he thought that prayer was talking, but he became more and more quiet until until in the end he realized that prayer is actually listening. Sometimes we just need to practice some of the other disciplines of silence and solitude and being quiet before the Lord, unbusying ourselves so that we can hear the heart of the Father. He is speaking, church. The question is, have we decluttered ourselves enough to be able to tune in with the frequency of heaven? In fact, with meditation, um, you know, meditation, again, meditating on the word of God, um, you know, St. Teresa of Avila was known for actually praying with her imagination, actually picturing Christ. Essentially, let me explain what I mean by that. She used to pray in a way that she pictured Christ uh, wrapping his arms around her, right? Um, She claims that practicing prayer without, she she was practicing prayer without even knowing it, in fact. Um, It can, it can, Open the door of faith when we picture, you know, marriages that maybe are shattered and we picture them whole. Um, Or when we see a sick person being made well as we pray and and God gives us our, he he uses everything. He uses all of our senses Um, and we're able to see pictures. um, We're able to come into agreement more easily. In fact, we see evidence of this in 1 Kings 18.44. We know the prophet Elijah. Uh, There was a drought, and he was praying for rain, and his servant Elisha, he says, hey, go pray for rain. He's like, look, I have gone down to the sea. I have looked. I have prayed seven times. Read the story. It's really exciting. And he says, I still don't see it. By the seventh time, he saw what he perceived to be a small cloud, like like, like like the size of a man's hand, rising. What did it do? It gave Elisha the faith that he needed to pray for rain. In fact, I've experienced this personally. I've experienced it a lot, actually. There was a particular time, even more recently, when I had, we had, uh, Jeremy and I had an acquaintance, um, friend a long time ago, but we kind of lost touch, and he reached out for prayer from anyone he knew who had faith for his wife, who was in a coma and was, was basically given a death sentence and said, hey, you need to make plans for her funeral. Well, this particular day, I, I felt really moved, and I, I just felt like I was to pray, but I was like, I felt a little overwhelmed. I felt discouraged. I was like, God, how do, how do I pray for her? And I just sat. I decided to sit in silence, solitude, and prayer and listen. And I began to listen. And do you know what I heard? 
I listened with my eyes, and I saw a picture of her actually coming out of the coma and taking a deep breath of air. Can I tell you in that moment, I began to cry and weep because I knew I'd heard the Spirit of God. I had seen what he wanted me to pray with, and I was able to give Lynn my agreement. So I began to pray, thank you, God, for healing her. I pray breath in her lungs. Can I tell you, I shared that with Jeremy because sometimes you're like, did I see right? Did I hear right? Those are all great questions. You want to make sure, does it align with the word of God? Does it align with his character? And then you got to share it. You got to share it with someone from a biblical guidance perspective and, and someone that you trust to tease it out. Am I hearing from God? I shared it with Jeremy and I decided to share it with her husband. Can I tell you in that moment, he said, you have no idea what this picture meant. So not only was God speaking through listening prayer to me and connecting and encouraging my faith, he encouraged someone else. I've gotten it wrong a lot, church. But can I tell you, as we begin to practice the different ways that we can practice in hearing from God, it not only encourages our own faith and we're able to partner with heaven to bring heaven to earth, but we encourage so many other people. So I want to challenge you to take some action this week. I want you to either maybe just practice with the Lord's Prayer. Lord, you know, give me, this, give me my daily bread. Or pray some scriptures that are particularly heavy on your heart or, or maybe ones that you can even just Google like some about around topics that you're struggling with. You can pray those prayers. And, and as you begin to pray the word of God, it strengthens your inner man. This is the real food that Jesus was talking about. Even when he was fighting the devil in, in the middle of a desert, he used the word of God. That was, he was basically saying, hey, the word of God is more meaningful to me and more powerful and has more substance than a piece of bread. And church, that is what we've got to get to as, as a community of faith because that God is calling us into so, so much more. But he's got to awaken our spirits to who we really are. You know, and then lastly, practice some listening prayer. Maybe you don't even know how to pray, but maybe sit with the Lord and ask him, how, how should I pray? You might even see pictures. I would encourage you to take the challenge, which leads us to point number three. Turn your private devotion into public action. This is going to require obedience. We know that it starts in private. It's a private matter to fast before the Lord with pure motives. But then from that comes an outflow. In fact, God is calling his people in Isaiah 58. He's saying, hey, 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 it's not just about you and your benefit. It is actually about so many other people. God is calling us to uh, obedience because he wants us to value what he values. You know, we, were talking, we, we talked about being in love. When you're in love, you value what the other person values. You may not always get it. You may not feel like, oh, but, but you value what they value. And the same thing is true when we begin to say, God, I'm in, I love you. I'm going to align my life with your word, and I'm going to value what you say, what you value. Isaiah 58, 9 and 10, he says, If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the finger pointing, with malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will shine, will rise in the darkness, and your night will become like the noonday. God's very clear about what he loves. He loves people. And I don't know what you've heard, but he, he, he loves people. In fact, he went to the extent of giving his only begotten son, because he loved us so much. He couldn't stand the thought that he would have to, to go uh, you know, to eternity without us. And so he's made a bridge through the way of Jesus. And he wants us to, to fully know that and accept how loved we are because he wants us to be conduits of his love. 
We can't love until we know we are loved. We're secure in love so that we can love purely as God has intended us to do, church. In fact, Mark 12, 31 reminds us, love your neighbors as yourself. We have to love our neighbors as ourselves. We have to, to accept who God is in our own lives and that he's accepted us fully just the way that we are. You know, God implores his people and is imploring us today to turn from our yoke of sin. It's, it's a repentance and an obedience, right? To spend ourselves thinking of others in the light of Christ. In fact, James 2.26 says, As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. We don't, we don't work for approval. We serve from acceptance. It, it, it's a subtle difference, but it matters so much. What can you do during this time of consecration and prayer to put your faith in action as he leads? You know, the Lord's actually already laid something specific on my heart that transparently, church, he spoke to me months ago, but I have been too busy to actually execute it and do it. In fact, it has a second part to it, and, and that is that I am supposed to do it with my kids, which makes it even more complicated and not easy, but I've heard the Lord on it, and what it is is it aligns exactly with what he's saying. Hey, hey, think about others, not just yourself. And so I challenge you as I challenge myself, even bringing this word to you today, that I'm going to step out and I'm going to do the thing that God has called me and put on my heart to do. And I believe in faith that he's going to speak something to you because he wants you to take action as well. You know, service is at is the signpost of the cross. At the cross, we see obedience, submission, and servanthood. We see our servant king who came and he laid down his royal robes and his royalty to show us the way of royalty. You know, the, the king who serves. You know, this towel represents service and he washed his disciples' feet before he went to the cross. How powerful. What a, what a powerful picture. In fact, Richard Foster says this about the discipline of service. He says, true service rests on hiddenness and doesn't require external rewards or appreciation of the effort. It does not seek human applause, and the flesh whines against service but screams against hidden service. So true. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition, and every time we crucify the flesh, we crucify our pride and our arrogance as we seek to walk out the kind of fast that the Lord requires of us. And it goes back to the meaning of a fast. It's a self-denial. Will it hurt? Yes, for sure. <laughs> self-denial is just that. We're saying no to our flesh. You will not be in charge. My spirit will lead. You know, as the children of Israel, they were overly concerned in Isaiah 58 about self-righteous service. They were overly concerned with the results. God is overly concerned with what's happening on the inside of us because he knows if we can get that right, if we can have a posture of pure humility before him, we, he knows that the outflow will bless so many people. You know, as we enter this time of fasting and prayer, we can practice service, and I want you to. I want to challenge you. Clean out your closet <laughs> this week and come with a coat because as a community of faith, we can do far more. We can impact and we can help someone. We can, we can provide warmth to someone in need through some of our local partners. But I would also encourage you, there's other ways to serve. We can serve by listening to others with compassion and patience. There are a lot of people that even spent the holidays alone. Maybe it's a phone call this week. Maybe it's just checking in on people. Maybe it's a quick text. You know, we can serve others by bearing one another's burdens. Who can, you, who can you help? Who can you lift the burden? Even this week, this past week, 
you know, uh, I was crunched for some time and, and my parents were in town and they did some little things that really lifted the burden for me. Didn't seem super significant, didn't do it to be noticed, but man, did it bless. And they, they served in that way. You know, we can share the word of life with one another and encourage other in the life's journey. Don't underestimate the power of serving with just an encouraging word. Hey, you're going to make it. You're going to be great. This year will not be like last year's disappointments. Keep your eyes on Christ. Continue to move forward. That is also a way of service. And in closing, I really want to position us. Today was all about positioning us to play the long game, church, in our walk with God. So we have to say no to our flesh. That is what fasting is about. We have to say yes to more of God through prayer and conversation. We can't know the Father without both hearing from him and having communion and and conversation with him and then turning our private devotion into public action. Our private devotion should compel us to touch the world around us. I want you to consider joining us. I want you to prayerfully consider joining us some way, somehow. Talk to God this week. Carve out some margin on what you feel in your heart he's leading you to do in this fast, in this 21-day journey. And I believe it's going to be a catalyst, no pun intended, for an incredible, incredible New Year church. You know, I don't want to close the service without giving you an opportunity. Maybe there's someone even tuning in online that you're like, hey, I've I've heard about Jesus, or or maybe you've never heard about this gift of Jesus at all. But I, I want to give you a moment to make that decision to accept this free gift of salvation, which comes through the way of believing Jesus, inviting Jesus, the, gift, the Son of God, into your life. And so I want to pray with you uh, in just a moment. But I also want to, to close the message by praying for you that God would speak to you specifically about how you might Um, join us in expectation in this time of fasting. I believe he's going to speak and and just miraculous things are going to begin to happen, church. So I'm going to pray with that first group. Um, And I will say, if if you are making that decision, if you'll just let us know by uh, filling out that connection link there in in the chat box, let us know so we can follow up with you. We'd love to know who you are. Let me pray with that first group. Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me. Thank you for loving me so much, for having my face on your mind. I accept that you died for my sins and you want to live within my heart and guide me and direct me. Forgive me for my sins and walk with me today and into eternity. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna pray for that second group. Father, I pray today, Lord, as we've broken open your word, Lord, and we've heard the challenging word to all of us around what you consider a true fast, I pray that you would speak to us. God, I know that you want to take us to new levels in you. There's always another step to take in you, God. I love that about you. And I pray that you would speak to each and every individual listening today, God, that you would go into their homes, into the airways, into their cars, Father, and that you would be so ever-present with them and lead them into this next 21-day journey and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.